Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast, where leaders on a mission to make the world a better place come to talk and learn about how communication, language, and words can help increase awareness, revenue, and impact with less stress and more joy. I'm your host, Erica Mills Barnhart, and I'm so excited you're here with me. Let's dive right in. You know how sometimes you hear something or someone and you just think, is that even possible? (laughs) That was my experience when I first heard Stephanie Staples, who is my guest today, talk on another podcast about her life and how she has really gotten good with good enough, like fully embraced that as her life philosophy. And I, we talked about that a couple episodes ago about getting good with good enough. That was inspired by Stephanie. And I thought, you know, I want to go further with this. So I reached out to her on LinkedIn and said, hey, I don't know what direction this conversation will take, but will you come and be a guest on the Communicate for a Good podcast and sort of talk to people, listeners like you, who really want to make the world a better place and who sometimes maybe kind of sort of uh, get burnt out by doing that work and like, how do you get your your life? So this isn't just specific to work, right? Work obviously is important. And as a leader, and we talk about this in this episode, like what you model really matters, but I would invite you to think expansively, like if you can conjure in your mind or really on your computer, like that life wheel, you know, where there's seven or nine, depending on the wheel that you're looking at, areas of life and just get curious about which one, where you might play and experiment with this philosophy that Stephanie shares and talks about and lives. She really lives this. She she lives on the east coast of Vancouver Island in a beautiful spot. And that was very intentional. And um, I just, I'm really dazzled by how she has managed to find what truly seems like a joy-filled, balanced life. And so I'm so grateful to her that she said yes when I reached out and said, will you come on and talk? And I don't know what shape this will take, but pretty please. I'm really grateful to Stephanie for saying yes. I'm grateful for you for being here. And I hope you get a ton out of this episode with Stephanie Staples. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Communicate for Good podcast. I am Erica Barnhart, your host, and I am joined today by master motivator and revitalization expert Stephanie Staples. Stephanie travels internationally as a keynote speaker. She has gone from the Mayo Clinic to the Middle East, delivering idea-packed programs proven to increase feelings of hope, happiness, empowerment, and ability to apply actionable positive change for participants. And by the way, based on her website, she has the geeky academic-based data to support these claims. We're going to go back to that. But importantly, as she does all of this deep necessary work. She has fun. And the people that she's doing with have fun. She's committed to fun, which is, of course, a theme on this podcast. She is a multi-titled author with eclectic qualifications that combine learnings from her background in healthcare, journalism, fitness, and communications. She has some unique insights and tools to share, which I'm looking forward to. She's a rewired nurse. I, I, I want to come back to this idea of being rewired that I love. Um, mom of three, Lolly of two, and wife of one, and a last-placed triathlete. <laughs> Thank you for being with us here today, Stephanie. Always my pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for bringing the 
more goodness to the world, more juicy goodness. We need more. <laughs> so I made my way to you and your wisdom by way of Jane Atkinson. Now, Jane specializes in people who do speaking as part of their business or life. So she's a coach uh, in that regard. And she had you on her podcast, Stephanie. And she said, I think you really need to listen to this, Erica. And the reason that she wanted me to listen to it is because I was going through some burnout, right? And she's like, I think you're going to be really inspired. And I really totally was. So I'm hoping, Stephanie, that you will share with listeners your journey from, I'm not going to put words in your mouth, but maybe some burnout to uh, like taking another pass at how you want to lead your life. And this idea of, which I've mentioned on the program, uh, on the podcast before, totally mispronouncing the word, but a few podcasts ago, actually inspired by listening to you, I talked about this idea of like getting good with good enough and this idea of la home. Maybe now I'm saying it closer to close enough. <laughs> I read like the bio that you offer, but what's the color commentary? How did you get to, to being a revitalization expert and master motivator? So my background is in healthcare and I did have a, a you, you called it a, a, a burnout, uh, a burnout situation that could have been horrible. It was just really bad, but it could have been like life altering, horrible. It had to do with my, I'm sparing the gory details, but I had three little kids and I basically fell asleep in the basement and they all woke up in the night and my husband was on night shift and they were all screaming for me and the neighbors ended up coming in the house and they were new neighbors and they didn't speak English. And they were like looking after my kids with their dog and for like hours and hours. And I was passed out in the basement. Not, and I, the next day I went to the doctor and I had pneumonia and I, my body had literally just shut down. Wow. That's profound, Stephanie. Like, I think that is every parent's biggest fear is I won't be there for my kids. It was horrible. So when I found out what had happened in my house, and here's the thing is that I realized my my big enlightening moment was I thought I was so incredibly important that the world would crumble without my presence. Like I literally thought that. Like I must keep everything in order and everything running and the world is counting on me so I don't have time to pee. And what I realized that day is that my world could have crumbled that night my world could have crumbled. And that no matter how important or awesome or people I mentor or look up to me or how they count on me for work and they don't want to be short and this and that, I am completely replaceable at work in what I do for my, I'm completely 100% replaceable and I am completely irreplaceable at home. And while I thought the world would crumble, I realized my world could have crumbled. And I just said, never again, this is never happening again to me and I'm going to do whatever I can to ensure this doesn't happen to other people. So my goal is, and I, who I love speaking to, I call it people who are nice for a living. And most listeners can relate to that. Yeah. You know, <laughs> people either kind of get it right away or don't. And if you don't get it, it's not you, but you know, we're very forward facing. We give, share, do all day long for other people. We get home at the end of the day and oftentimes our best is all done and our nice is all used up. And the people that we love most, matter to us most, and care about us most get the worst of us. And that's not okay. Yeah, this is the, this idea uh, of the best. Like, who do you give the best to and who gets the rest? Yeah. And then we get home to that safe place where we feel like it's okay to do that. And then and for ourselves, too, we, get the, we leave ourselves the worst as well. 
So, I mean, we don't have to do everything different, but I think we have to do something different. And um, yeah, just recognize that and take small steps toward toward empowering ourselves. So ensure that never, never happens in, in a way that's horrible like that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And it, I think part of what's um, tricky, you know, when I work with clients and I think it's easy to be like, well, my situation is not as bad as Stephanie's was. I'm not passed out in the basement with pneumonia. Like I'm good. I'm fine. I'm, I'm doing the thing. So I guess one question I have for you is how do you help people? I mean, there's so many parts of this, like see the, like, just cause you're not at that depth of darkness does not mean that you are holding yourself in the regard that you deserve. Right. And that, and that even if it's not horrible, you still probably maybe deserve to prioritize yourself more. Yeah. And I think a lot of us, you know, especially if we're mothers and caregivers and this and that, and, you know, business owners and leaders and where people are looking up to us and we, there's a lot expected of us. We have a different scale, right? We're like, I'm fine. I'm good. Like, I didn't get to that point. So the answer to your question, how do I get people to realize it? I'm, I'm going to give a healthcare directive. So if you've ever been in the hospital or had a situation, the doctor or nurse, somebody's asked you this question on a scale of zero to 10, how's your pain? Zero, I got nothing. And 10 is I'm going to die like yesterday, right? So I knew this scale. I, I, all, I use as part of my work, but it wasn't until I went to a physiotherapist one day. And she said to me, I, I had something wrong with my hand. She said, on a scale of zero to 10, how's your pain? And I said, I'm embarrassed because my pain is like a three, but I just know that something is wrong. And she said words that changed my life. She said, most people wait till their pain is an eight. And when they wait till their pain is an eight, it's very easy to diagnose, but it's very difficult to treat. If people would just come in when their pain was a three, it's harder to diagnose, but it's very easy to treat. When she finished that sentence, I was not talking about my hand anymore. I was talking about my life. This is exactly what I do. I wait with a situ whatever the situation is at a three. I'm like, it's not so bad. It's fine. It's okay. It's probably just me. I'm making a big deal out of nothing. I'm sure it'll get better. I'm sure it'll go away. But then it turns into a five and a seven and a nine. And then, and then I have pneumonia in the basement. Yeah, me and meanwhile, we're like the frogs in the in the hot water. So you actually, it's it's very hard to notice that you're going from a three to a 3.3 to a 3.8 to a, you know, like it can be so incremental that I think we lose sight of, and I, and I'm speaking like I'm right there with you, <laughs> right? Like I had an SI did like, I like to work out, you know, I'm not like horribly athletic. I'm not, I have done triathlons and marathons, but kind of in my rear view mirror, but I like to work out, you know, I like to go lift weights and like, a number of years ago, I had to stop running because I had an SI joint thing, right? And SI joints are like, me. they're never like, oh my God, I'm crippled with pain. Well, rarely, sometimes they get that bad. Mine wasn't, right? It was just like this low-key, like, you're getting kind of kind of old there, probably no more running for you. And so I let this slide for like two years at least. And it has taken two, two and a half years to actually get it, I, I still, I don't even attempt running because I know what my body's going to do, <laughs> but I'm not in chronic pain. And I was, I was in chronic pain, but it was embarrassing to me. I didn't have a reason, right? It's not like I was running marathons, which I've done in the past. It's just, I had, but I was living with chronic pain and I, it, I don't even know where, I wouldn't have been able to say where it was on that scale. 
Well, I think the, the biggest thing is awareness, right? The first thing, with whatever we're doing, we need to have that awareness. Like, so I'm on a, I'm on a path, I'm hiking, I'm kind of lost. And then I'm like, oh, I see ahead, there's a big sign. I'm like, oh, good, I'm going to figure out where I am and how to get out of here. I go to this big sign and it's got all the trails and there is no you are here sign. And if there is no you are here dot, <laughs> we're just like, this is not helpful at all. So, you know, how I think about how many times a day somebody asks, like, how are you? How are you? You know, I'm fine, fine, fine. But what if when somebody asks you, how are you? You thought about for a moment, you can say fine, whatever you say, but you thought about for a moment, like, how am I? Like, how is my energy level? How are my thoughts? How is my, my motivation right now? Whatever. Like, oh, you know what? I haven't gone to the bathroom in like three hours and I really need to, perhaps I could take two minutes out of my very busy life to do that small thing for myself. And so perhaps, you know, what's your, the question you're asking on that scale, like how, like fatigue, like how, how tired am I? You know, I'm a three. Okay. I feel like I'm a three. I'm not too bad right now. But then, you know, two hours later, well, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a five now. Oh, it's trending upward. So what do I, and again, we don't want to move you from, no, we, you know, we could try and move you from a three to an eight, but we just kind of want to be leaning in the right direction. Like I want to be leaning in the direction <laughs> of of feeling healthier, happier, having better relationships, whatever it is you want. So I think awareness is a big part of the puzzle. And most of us, busy leaders and, and self-employed people, we don't take time to even ask ourselves that question to know where we are on that map. I think that's step one. I completely agree with that. We talk a lot about awareness on this show. And then I think step two is acceptance. And I feel like that's where a lot of us get stuck because, because of the lot of, you know, associated yuppie, you know, in Western culture, like shame, embarrassment, guilt. Also, I think that there's like a, a disconnect between, uh, there's a resistance to the awareness sometimes because you don't want to be someone. So this is about identity. You don't want to be someone who is tired. You don't want to be someone who has chronic pain. You don't want to be a leader. No, who's taking time out for themselves. You don't want to, it's about the being and rather than the doing. And so I, I see resistance at that level oftentimes. Yeah. So I, I'm going to suggest like perhaps an, a, a, a nice follow-up step to accountability or sorry, to awareness is accountability, right? So we, we're often waiting for a better time, a better situation, our kids to be grown, our parents to be something, our boss to be whatever, something to the government, to, something to happen. Well, then I'll take care of this and this and this. And if, you know, we find it, I find a lot of people have that resistance, as you said, to, I'm going to put air quotes around the self-care because I feel like it's just so much bigger than that. But if whatever it is, if you won't do it for you, I will do it for my children. I will do it for someone else. That this is like, I realized, like, is this an example I want to set for my daughter? So I realized one day by 10 o'clock, I'm like starving. So why am I starving? You know why? Because I fed everybody else breakfast. They all sat down to have their breakfast. And I was, and I realized like, is this what I want my daughters to see? Is this how I want my son to see women function? It's like, no. So I started, okay, 15 minutes earlier, we're all going to meet at the table at this time. Mom's sitting down with you. We're all having breakfast together. It was 15 minutes difference in my day. I got up 15 minutes earlier to make this happen. It was a game changer. 
And sometimes we'd even read a story like a chicken soup, a chicken soup story or something. Like it changed the whole rest of, you know, the progress, progression of the day. Instead of hurry up, get your stuff, let's go, blah, blah, blah. It was just this like chill. I'm not saying every day it was like that, but you know what I'm saying, right? It took 15 minutes. It was that awareness that, hey, this is not working. Accountability. And my question is like, what is my role in this? Yeah. And what am I modeling? I'm hearing you, I'm paraphrasing back, like, what am I modeling in that instance as a mom? But I really think this is worth digging in on a little bit, which is as a leader, what am I modeling for my team? Right. And so I'm seeing an uptick of, and and I like the trend on this. I want to say like, I I want to keep this theme of like, are we trending in a positive direction? Yes. I'm seeing a trending of, um, you know, somebody will send an email and in there, there's a standard clause at the bottom that says, I am, if I'm sending, if you're receiving this after hours, that's because that's, you know, a time of day that works best for you. I don't expect you to respond. Okay. I love where that's going. And reality check. If I'm getting that from my supervisor, from my boss, from, my, you know, somebody who holds positional authority, it's very hard for my subconscious mind to believe what you were saying to me. Because I don't, I, I'm like, I don't, is that true? Is that really true? I'm not categorically. There's some people you're like, cool, cool. But why not just set it to send, you know, within the hours? Like, does it need to go out at 1232? Or could you set the little thingy dingy and have it go out at 9 a.m. or whatever, you know, whatever the agreed to? So I love the trend. I love the awareness. And I'm wondering about the accountability of some of these actions in the organizational team space. So that's a really incredible point. So uh, one of the one of the nursing directors of a big hospital brought me in because her manager, she was really concerned about their well-being and all this. She really wanted to lift them up and, and give them tools. And, and her heart was really, really in the right place. And me in my big mouth <laughs> while I'm talking, I said, you know, Helga, who was the the, the director of nursing, I couldn't help but notice Almost all the emails you sent me regarding this event were sent between midnight and 2 a.m. And as soon as I said that, everybody in the room just went, yes! Like, and then when you, now Helga, her heart is blessed, her heart was in the right place. But when all she saw all her staff acknowledging this, and then they felt that if you're going to do that, well, I think I, I got to do that too. It was that subliminal message she was sending. She was horrified, horrified that she was making her staff feel that way. So, yeah, I'm sorry. But, but I think it was for the greater good. Like if nothing else changed as a result of my being there, I think that was really, really important. So, yeah, people are not just listening to what you say. They are watching what you do and the bar is high and it's, it's not, they're probably not even listening to what you say. They're watching you. So I feel like it's a, you know, it's an and, and of course I work with leaders sort of with this awareness around who you're communicating, but part of communication is silence. Part of it is pacing. Part of it is what you don't say. You know, there's all these elements to it, which is why I like it as a, you know, why I find it to be an essential skill for all leaders. Um, partially because once you hold positional authority, every word or silence is amplified by definition. You may not want it to be like that, but that's how it is, right? So it's an important skill. And also it's a filter through which you can sort of be seen, you know, be seen certain things. But I I mean, I guess I'm I'm forever curious about how we got to a place, at least in so you're in Canada, I'm in Seattle, so in the US, at least in North America, 
how do we contort ourselves as leaders to believe that the way that we're acting should by definition be different and sort of harder than like we wouldn't we, very well, some leaders, but you know, not listeners of this podcast, right? Like they of really not. want the best. <laughs> they want the best for their team. They want that. They want like, they're the Helgas of the world. They want all these things for their team, but they were not able to give it to themselves. And I, I'm curious why you think that, that that's the case. Because you see this all the time. Yeah, if I had the answer to that question, I would, you know, wave my magic wand and make it go away. I don't know why, because I think you could ask the same question about about women and about a, like a whole bunch of other yeah, like, yeah, why yeah, is it enough. this way society and what we've seen and what has been modeled and what we watched on TV and all those contributing factors. But again, let's go back to that awareness piece. Like if something is, you know, if something is not working, I, I don't know if like the world, I call this the, the rule of three. Like if, if something, if something happens once, it's, oh, well, you know, things happen. If somebody's late once, oh, well, if something happens twice, like, pay attention. If something happens three times, you better put a policy, a procedure, a protocol, something into place, a sort of sort of plan, because I can almost guarantee you it's going to happen again. And I think that we don't, we're just like, oh, it's, it's a, this, we just we sweep it under the carpet. It's no big deal. But, but pay attention. That awareness piece is huge. And so if something for us is not working right, I'll give you an example. So I had a, a, a client who was um, self-employed. He worked from home. You know, he's working on his computer. He said, you know, every time I like, I'm frustrated or something happens at work, I, I let out this big sigh and my wife says, what's wrong? And I say, nothing. She says, what's wrong? Nothing. And, and they get into the, every time he says, we get into this big, you know, and then we go to bed, like nobody's happy. And I said, has this happened once, you know, more than once? He says, yes, it's happened more than twice. <laughs> yes. Has it happened more than three times? Yes. But yet every time they're doing the same thing, right? With the same result. I said, what would it be like for you if when you let out that big sigh, your your partner just said, hey, I'm here for you, babe. Like, let me know if there's anything I can do. And he said, oh, that would be great. I said, what would it be like if when you let out that big sigh, if they just came and just put their arms around your neck and gave you a little squeeze? He goes, that would be nice. I said, what would it be like if when you let out that big sigh, they just brought over like a cup of your favorite hot drink? Or something? That would be great. Have you ever like had that conversation with them? No. Instead, the same thing keeps, he sighs, she, she says, what's wrong? Blah, blah, back it goes, same whirlwind of. So again, back to that awareness piece. You're like, huh, that's not really working well. It's happened many times. It's probably going to happen again. So what would it be like if next time you're going for a walk or a drive, you said something like, hey, you know what I'm frustrated at with my work stuff and I let out that big sigh? I thought of a few things that would be really helpful for me for you to do. Would, would you want to talk about that? Or maybe you'd have some ideas. What partner on God's green earth would be like, no, I don't want to know what would make you feel better. I prefer to just fight every time. Nobody would say that. <laughs> right? And of course, this person would be like, yes, tell me what would help you. So that's my thing. Like, pay attention to what's going on. If it's not ending in the way you want it to end, go back. And reassess the situation and go, what could I do different here? What can change? What little, again, you have to change everything, but put a little cog in the wheel, do something different to get you to the end result you you want. Yeah. And in that example, it's about recognizing the patterns, so that awareness, and then asking for what you would prefer. 
And sometimes it's about asking what you need, which can be challenging, you know, because then you have to actually be able to identify what you need in order to ask for it. So what I love was, you know, the, the opening, you know, would you open to that conversation? You know, I've been doing a lot of work and coaching around um, how to ask better questions as leaders, uh, which is interesting. It's gendered, right? So it's perceived differently when women ask a lot of questions. We tend to more because, you know, like just biologically, we're like trying to get everybody to consensus because we need the tribe working well. And for, for, you know, for people who are socialized as men, it's about like going up the food chain, right? Because if you can get more food in, like literally the food chain <laughs> back in the day, right? And it hasn't, it hasn't like gone further. So, so this idea of like just the question and that, and having the awareness to ask a question like that, to open the conversation, I think is, is growth, right? And it's new behavior. But when I, you know what I find with my clients all the time is when I'm like, well, why don't you just ask why? Or what can we do about it? Or you like ask a, ask a different question. And there is a sense of like, because uh, then I don't have the answer. Like implied in that is I don't have the answer. So I just think interesting, you know, from this awareness perspective, like this is interesting to pay attention to. And when, when do you need to have the answer? And when do you need, when is the question the answer? And so that goes to that whole vulnerability piece, right? So you have to go back and put yourself in a place of vulnerability. And in my example about the man with the sigh, if he didn't know, and of course that's different because it's a personal situation. Say he didn't have the wherewithal to come up with solutions. Like, I don't know what would be better. I just know this isn't working. But even bringing that into the conversation is such a win, right? Like this is what I, and you can just talk about what you've known. This is what I've noticed. And I'm just not liking the way it's ending. So can we brainstorm some ideas that might, well, would this help? Or how about this? And that might lead you to think of something else. So having the answers is not the be all and the end all. And I think, I don't know if I feel like this is appropriate word or not, but like vulnerability is sexy. Like it's, it's appealing. You know, it makes people want to lean in. It's just, most people we want to help. We want to, we want to know you're not this perfect. Oh, everything's easy for you. Cause oftentimes that's what we think when we see that leader up there, we're like, well, it's easy for them. Right. But, oh, you don't know everything. Well, that's reassuring in a strange sort of way. Yeah. It's why I am. So I'm very attentive to this when I have my professor hat on and I'm teaching, I very intentionally, partially because I really don't know all the answers on the topics that I teach who could really. Um, I don't know everything there's about leadership and communication and what the what, what. So I really try to model it. And it's easy because I don't have all the answers. Just saying, God, that's a great question. I don't know. Like, let's find out together. Like, how could we answer that question together? Because I want my students to witness you know, somebody with this huge title, title professor, like it holds all this privilege and blah, 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 blah. And I, and I feel honored to hold it. Let me just say that. I feel very honored to hold it. And congratulations. So that's a big deal. Uh, I don't want to be flip about it. Like it's an honor. And it comes, you know, that, that it comes with a certain dynamic. And so it's such a stark dynamic that it holds a lot of lessons for me in terms of vulnerability and when to model that and how to model that. And sometimes not, right? Like, and then the balance of that is like, and, and also community, like I do know a thing or two, which is, which is why I teach these things, you know, but I don't know all the things. So, and, and, you know, like embedded in this, I just want to name is sort of a, a yen for black and white. Like it's this way or it's this way, it's this way or this way. And, and that's about safety and can be about psychological safety. So sometimes as the leader, like having the answer is the way to go. 
especially when you're navigating a lot of change, if there's a lot of uncertainty, being attentive to, to how many times you could say with clarity, this is this is what's happening versus I don't know. So I think that balance between decisiveness and vulnerability is key, you know, and, and when am I going to, when do I want to be in which space and how and all of those dynamics. And I'm going to guess the leadership, the, the listenership that you have, that's, that's not going to be the issue is that too many times I've said, I don't know, you know, <laughs> I'm guessing not, but I think about the, there's lots of research that shows, right. The more people are um, contributing to the solution to the problem, they're more likely they are to actually do it right this way as coaches, we're not telling people what to do. We're trying to get them to kind of lead to their own answers. They're much more likely to, to actually follow through, which is pretty great. And the other thing, if I may go back to that zero to 10 scale, is that a lot of us, you know, a high functioning type A type, we want to do things at eight, nine, 10. And if we can't do things at eight, nine, 10, we're like, maybe I just won't like go to, you know, I want to go to gym every day for an hour. Well, maybe that's not going to happen. So I'm out waving the flag for like four five and six. Like, what can you do that like today, like Sesame Street, today's brought to you by the number four. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> because if it's like, so exercise, so if I can't do it in eight, what can I do at a four? That's better than a zero, which would it would have been, right? Before I talked to you, I did like a 12 minute, a 12 minute workout. Cause that's what I could do in between these two meetings. If I do nothing else today, I did 12 minutes. Good for me. Good for you. I <laughs> I mentioned this in a pre recent previous podcast about, um, I decided as an act of vulnerability for myself that I was going to try all the classes at the gym. Oh, that's cool. Right. Because I tend, I a hundred percent am like, if I can't do it at an eight, I kind of low-key don't want to do that. Right. And exercise has always been a refuge for me. Not that I'm a particularly great athlete. I just really want to underscore that. I am, I am average, uh, but I'm, but I try to be high achieving about my averageness. So I'm like, I'm going to try all of these classes, right? And it was very interesting. It was humbling, you know, because like the strength ones, I was like, got to kill in it because I, you know, I just, I'm naturally strong and I love lifting weights and always have. Some of the endurance cardio, and I, I used to do martial arts, so this was particularly humbling. There's like this endurance cardio martial arts based one. And I was like, I don't know that I'm going to do the class. I don't know. I was taking a lot of sips of water just to like try to catch my breath. It was totally humbling, 60 minutes. And then there's like a yoga Lottie. So it's like a combo of like a little bit Tai Chi, a little bit yoga, a little bit of Pilates, you know? And, um, you know, it just, it's been really a great reminder and a great lesson to me of like waving the flag of four, waving the flag of four. That is so inspiring. I probably will steal that. So when I turned 50, um, I wrote, I did 50 challenges in my 50th year and I wrote a book uh, called The Triangle. For listeners, you can't see it, but it's try, T-R-Y. Yes, The Triangle, a new slant on life. And it's, it wasn't so much about the success of all these things. It was that effort to try it and the learning that came from it and the respect for other people for learning the, the people that did other things that I tried, but I couldn't do, but now I can't, still can't do it. But I have like surfing, for example. I just have a whole new respect for that. And watching it is a, is, is much more enjoyable. And I, you know, understand more. And then I did actually in my COVID project, I did one for kids. It's called Noah and the Triceratops, T-R-Y. So it's all about exactly what you're saying. Yes, it's easy to sign up for a class that you know you'll do well and you know you'll do good at, but that beginner's mindset 
And hey, for a professor to go down to something that's like completely new and completely hard and does not come easily and effortlessly to us, what an awesome thing for a leader to do to to role model for their staff. Amazing. I think that's awesome what you did. I do have to, I have one class that I've not tried yet because it involves cycling, which you can hear from my tone of voice. Yeah. <laughs> Partially because I'm notorious for falling off bikes. I just, I don't enjoy it, but I'm like, girl, you said you were going to do all the things. So, so next week I'm going to do the cycling one. Okay. I want you to, when you text me after that, I hope you don't fall off the stationary bike. I haven't ever oh, no. done that. You clip in the pedals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if anyone could fall off a stationary bike, it's hundred percent going to be me. So I'll report back on that. <laughs> well, that's a bad mindset. Let's let's let's, re- let's rework your mindset on that, girlfriend. <laughs> okay, you're totally right. I I received that. I received that. So Stephanie, let's just listeners now are maybe thinking about these these areas of awareness, these gifts that there may be for for growth or vulnerability. But how do you, so you have that awareness. How do you go from awareness? You've mentioned accountability. How does, how do you get from that moment, wherever it is on the one to 10 scale, but not awesome? Like, what are some tactics for kind of overcoming and getting to the place where you want to be? So we kind of talked about the awareness. Where am I now? Where do I want to be? You talked about accountability and that for me, my million dollar question is what is my role in this? You know, if they're gossiping around the water cooler, is it my, is my role to contribute? Is my role to shut up? Is my role to walk away? Is my role to say something? What is my role in this? And I think the next thing, which kind of is, I'm laughing because of what you just said about the bike, is, is your attitude. Like, what kind of attitude are you bringing to the situation? So you're going to approach that bike. You're just like, I hate you already. You're going to make me fall off of you. This is not going to be fun. It's going to, I'm going to embarrass myself. It's going to be horrible. <laughs> I'm muted because I'm laughing so hard because like, <laughs> I'm like, I feel so sorry for the bike. It's like bad yeah. bike. <laughs> sorry, bike. <laughs> so yesterday, literally last night. So I have done a few like sprint triathlons in my day and I always swim them and I'm horrible. I most always come in last, but that's okay. I'm okay with that. And I always swim them with my head above the water because it's been a lifelong fear to put my face in the water. And last night I learned to swim like actually swimming legs on the, in one night. And my friend just said to me, she said, you are not. So the last triathlon I did, I was 30 seconds. They were screaming at me, hurry up, hurry up. Cause I swim so slow. Cause my head's out of the water. And so I have 30 seconds. I would have been cut off and I wouldn't have been allowed to finish. She said to me, you are not doing another triathlon like that. You are going to learn to swim. And she watched all these YouTube videos about teaching adults to swim. We went into the kiddie pool last night and I was like literally blowing bubbles and whatever. And it was, it was incredible. But the thing was, again, that, that, oh, it's taking you through all the stages, that awareness is like, okay, I want to learn to swim. This is a, a, a life-saving skill. I, I want to learn to swim. I cannot do it. Accountability. What is my role in this? Nobody's going to talk about the swim gods are not going to magically, if they haven't happened in the last 50, whatever years, they're not going to come now. <laughs> what is my role in this? I need to take an active role to learn how to do this. What, what kind of attitude am I bringing? Well, just because I didn't know how to do this doesn't mean I can't learn how to do it. Just because it's going to be hard doesn't mean I can't no, learn how to do this. Just because all these other reasons I had in the past I wasn't ready to learn whatever I brought to the table last night. It's like, it's time. I've decided I'm going to do it. You know, then you have to take action. And if people listening to your show, 
They're already leaders. They're already self-employed. They've already succeeded in so many different things. Once we make that decision to take action, again, we don't need to go from three to eight. Hey, what do I need to do when I'm learning when I'm in the pool? Starfish float, you know, like what is the first step I can do? And bless her heart, she brought like all her little lesson plan in a plastic case into the kiddie pool. Like she was, and she was so determined to teach me that I didn't, I didn't want to let her down or waste her time or that kind of stuff too. So, you know, people have, other people have put in effort and I want to make that happen. But I know your listeners. I know they are the type of people that once they make that decision, they are going to find a way come hell or high water to make it happen. Because as they've done with a hundred other things in their life or more, but it's that decision, right? It's that it's shifting that attitude, shifting that mindset about it. Um, and then taking small action to lean into the area that you want to go. I don't know if you could tell that I'm really passionate about this. <laughs> so I think I heard, was it four A's? So awareness, accountability, attitude, action. Yes. And I do like to slide another one in there in between the action is just appreciation. I think that goes back to what you said about acceptance. It's like, it's not about doing everything different or doing everything perfectly. It's about accepting and appreciating where you are right now and always knowing there is the opportunity for something more. So I am so grateful that I'm not afraid of deep water. I'm so grateful that I'm not afraid of, of um, open water. I'm so grateful that I can tread water. I'm I'm super ha- appreciative of where I have, am up till this moment. And I know there's an opportunity for something more. And now I'm ready. And, and now I need to pull in all my resources and figure out how to make that happen. I love this this visual of your friend with the lessons in the plastic. Oh my God, that is so dear. Oh. Did did she have you hum? She did. She did have me hum. She did. And you know what also was so beautiful about this? And again, as leaders, you'll you'll understand this, is that as I was succeeding and progressing, I could feel her joy and her happiness and her pride in in my progression. Right. And so another word, I don't know um, if I mentioned it in the other podcast, but that I love is called mudita. M-U-D-I-T-A, mudita. And it's a Sanskrit word, and it it's like vicarious joy. So it's like the opposite of jealousy, right? So it's like, I can be happy for my own stuff, and I can be like, I'm super excited for you now to try out this bike thing and to like talk to me after. And it's like, <laughs> actually, I actually really like it, and I'm going to go back next week. And I think you should try it at least twice, not just once. I think you should try it twice. You're right, Stephanie. You're right. <laughs> Although, And also, aren't those beautiful words in the human vocabulary when, when my husband says you're right? I'm just like, can you say that again? A few more times. I'm open to it. Exactly, exactly. But yeah, Odita, so being able to experience other people's joy. And as a leader, I think that's one of the, just as a human being, you know, you see somebody's new baby on Facebook or a new grandchild or whatever, like just take a moment, like blow it up, look at that little face and just imagine how they fa- feel and how you felt when you had yours maybe, or just imagining it, just taking that extra moment out of your life. What one more way to, to just scale up the happiness factor a notch. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> any, any way to scale up the happiness factor. I've been reading, um, BJ Fogg's book, Tiny Habits, which m- many listeners maybe, maybe I'm going to guess, will have heard of Atomic Habits, which is, you know, a very well-known book. But a lot of what's in there is based on this research. He's a Stanford professor. Um, it's a super approachable, like, in terms of how he writes it. And his whole thing literally is teeny, like, how thin can you slice the behavior yes. change? And I use the approach like Kaizen, like, 
Right, small continuous. That's what kind of the basis for my teaching is small continuous improvement. Yeah, and like so small. So his first, his most basic example is like if you're somebody who, you know, wants to floss your teeth because that's you know like a healthy thing to do, but you're not a flosser. You know, first you just buy the floss. That's it, and then you put the floss next to it's all you know, what's adjacent, like building it into this. Then you put the floss there, and then the first time you floss, you floss one tooth. Not your whole mouth. You just floss one tooth and you get in the habit of flossing one tooth and then you build from there. But I love that example because I'm like, that's so antithetical to how I would, you know, roll like one tooth. Seriously, I'm going to do one tooth, but I'm going to trust him because his research is deep and it is really well done about like, that's actually how it happens. So I guess I I just want to invite you listeners into this idea of like, what, you know, what awareness you're bringing you know, what's the thing and what's like the teeniest, most gentle step that you could insert into an existing situation or process to just slowly, slowly, slowly start moving the needle. And the needle goes back and forth, right? Yeah, like it and the needle, goes back, and the needle goes back and forth. I and be. that's okay. And that's okay. Where is it right now, right at this moment in time? And and your tiny habit, you know, lots of people for his exercise. Well, I had a client, it's like, all they want you to do is put on your clothes, like put on your workout clothes. Do not do anything. Do not do anything. Just put on your workout clothes. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, she comes back and she's like, well, well, I had them on. I figured I may as well do something. That's great. <laughs> and you can bet once that floss is in one tooth, you, it's probably impossible to not do more. You might not do them all, but it's probably impossible to just do one. Because it feels weird. I mean, I think we've all done the thing where you have something in your tooth after you, yeah. eat, you just floss <laughs> the one. And then you're like, well, now my teeth feel off. So now yeah. I'm going to floss my teeth. <laughs> Okay, you introduced this new word to me, Mudita, and I mentioned that a word that you had introduced on Jane's podcast that's really stuck with me is a hum. And I'm hoping you can share a bit more about that with with listeners and so that they can start thinking about how they might integrate that into their work and life. Yeah, well, so lagu is it's a Danish word and it 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 means like having enough, like just the right amount. And I I believe for myself, I'll speak, you know, I, it's always like one more and one more and we're high achievers and we want to do more. And we want to take one more course and we want to go a little bit farther. We want to do the next thing. And, and so the podcast that Jane had, so Jane's podcast is called The Wealthy Speaker. And when she asked me to be on, I was like, literally, why do you want me on this? Like, I'm not like, I'm a, I'm not in the high income earners group. You know, I don't have seven figure income. I'm like, I do pretty much the opposite of everything she says, but I am, I have an incredible lifestyle. Like I am a lifestyle speaker and I, this is, I have figured out this is how much money I need to make to live the lifestyle I want. And so if it's a sunny day, like I'll be in a kayak and I'll be hiking in the woods and then I'll find some time to work somewhere in there. But I, I have created a lifestyle business. And what I realized is that for me, like that's my enough. That's my love. It's like, I, I could work, you know, from endlessly but I live on this beautiful Vancouver Island. It's an outside lover's paradise. I might be dead tomorrow. I don't know. I just want enough money so that I can live my lifestyle and help my people and enjoy my life. And that's good enough for me. I wonder if other people could use this concept or maybe we haven't even thought about that because so many things, podcasts and books and what it's like, be more, do more, have more, you know, yes, that's, or... Or <laughs> everything comes at a cost, right? So the more we do at this end, something's 
something's lacking at this end. Everything comes at a cost. So I would challenge people to just ask themselves, you know, in every area of your life, spiritually, physically, intellectually, emotionally, socially, you know, on that scale, where are you? Where do you want to be? What is enough? And if you want more, like what has to, what, what sacrifices do you have to make? Because you will have to make some. Uh, can we have it all? And do you want like all? Do we truly want it? We are socialized in that way. But how does all feel? And what's the cost of all? I mean, I don't know that it's possible to be honest, but I just question the wanting of it. Yeah, that's a that's a good that's a good question. Well, I didn't think of like in the health the health we talked about physical activity, right? So if Tim is like an Olympic athlete, like what you know, what number do you and 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 zero is like a couch potato? Where do you want to be on that scale? A four, Stephanie. I'm waving the floor, the fourth leg. <laughs> this episode of the Communicate for Good podcast brought to you by the number four. <laughs> Amen. Amen. So what do you have to do to get to that four? Does that mean, oh my God, I'm exhausted. I've had a really long day. I must force myself to go to the gym, you know, uh, for another hour after I've been stressed and whatever else. And I got a cold coming on and this and that. It's like, no, you know what? I've gone to the gym. Like, so maybe that means three times a week is outdoor exercise or I don't know, you know, so I'm putting that on my calendar. That's my four. If I do four bonus, if I do less, forgive myself, but I'm aiming for three. Yeah. And I know because because you and I both like physical activity, it would seem we've used that as an example, but I'll offer one because we're an example of just like just enough in a sort of business context. When when you first came on and once you started recording, you said, you know, do you record the video? So I'm here to tell you that every expert in the field is going to say, not only should you have your podcast, go out on anywhere you'd like to, you know, enjoy your podcast episode. But also, you should have a YouTube channel and you put all the video there. Well, I don't do that because that, you know, I have lim- my team and I have limited capacity and I'm not, I'm not sure the return on investment is there for us. But saying no uh, is a, ch- a challenge and it comes up, like I probably daily get some email from some human who's like, you're not doing this additional thing. You could do this additional thing. And, you know, like rainbows and fairies and unicorns, you know, will burst out. Um, I'm a no. Like, this is enough. And just so listeners know, Steffi and I can see each other. And what I say is, I like video because I like, I like people. I want to be in conversation with you. And so, and I want to see, you know, your expressions, but I don't, we don't do anything with the video. It's, it's to make the conversation feel more personal. And if I was listening, when I'm listening to yours, I, I, I would, honestly, I wouldn't be watching even if you had a video because I will be cleaning the house or cleaning whatever. I'll be doing something else. I'll be on my bike. I'll be doing something else while I'm listening. So, but the other thing is, Erica, if you said, okay, okay, I believe you. And I'm going to put this on video. All that would happen. I mean, who knows? Maybe there would be rainbows in your front. I don't know. But also I, what I do know for sure is there would be one more thing. And now you must do this. There's always going to be one more thing. Here's bad news. You will never be done again. You high achievers, you successful people, you will never, and I'm supposed to be the motivational speaker, you will never be done again. Until you're dead, then you'll be done. But until then, there will always be more things to do. And no matter how smart, talented, years we went to school, whatever designations, we cannot do it all. So pick wisely, pick what makes your heart sing. Pick what makes you live the lifestyle that you want to live. Think about why you're doing what you're doing and what's, you know, leading you 
to that to that ultimate destination because it's not just about being there it's about getting there and enjoying the ride while we're on this very very short journey yeah and circling right back to this idea of awareness you know for listeners it's just noticing first you know that you've heard me listeners say this a gajillion times on this podcast about various things you know around like how you communicate or how you lead or like just notice just notice and this tone of voice is intentional like there's no judgment it's just like oh there's a thing that I do. I judge the bike. I judge the bike. Um, just notice with, you know, and can you hold it without judgment, which is challenging. Um, so that's a starting place. And then that's interesting. You notice it and it's like, well, that's interesting. I wonder why, you know, you're just curious about it. I would also say, you know, start the noticing and this idea of, you know, some of the concepts that Stephanie, you've shared, like in whatever space feels safest for you. Like low stakes, you know, table stakes. And for some folks, that is work. And for other folks, it's it's at home. So like it doesn't need to be one or the other. Eventually, you know, bust out your life wheel um, and see where you see where you want to play with it. But start where it feels like really easy, I would say. So Stephanie, I at the end of every um episode, uh, if 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 I remember, which I don't always remember, by the way, but I love to ask. So in terms of words, um motivation, uh you know, is about action and taking action. Inspiration, etymologically speaking, means to take in breath. So it is the thing that sort of gives gives the oxygen to what we're doing. I'm curious, what keeps you motivated and what inspires you? So the answer to both, I think, is people. Like I just love, I love people. I love hearing people's stories. I love finding out what makes people tick. Um, I am. I, I rarely go somewhere without connecting with some. I come out of the bathroom and the hub's like, "How? Do, I was like, oh, she's just recovering from cancer." And she's like, "You just went to the bathroom." I'm like, I know, but everybody has a story, and and I think people, you know, they want to feel valued and appreciated and acknowledged. And if I just feel like that's my job is like to excavate that and find find the good in people, hearing those good news stories. And uh, and aside from that, or in addition to that, I mean, outside anything outside. Um, lights me up and I, you never come back from moving your body in the outdoors in the same state that you, you went in. So that's, those are my, my two wins. Thank you, Stephanie. Thanks for doing the work you're doing, making the choice you did at that very low moment. Um, all those years ago, it is wonderful to, you know, we have the 4.5 maybe A's to help us through. I really appreciate you being here and listeners, of course, as always, I appreciate you being here and I really appreciate all you're doing to make the world a better place. Do good, be well, and I will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Communicate for Good podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, I would so appreciate it if you would right here, right now, go rate and review the podcast. Your review will help even more purpose-driven leaders, teams, and organizations learn how to use words to change the world. To find more ways that communication can help you increase awareness, revenue, and impact, head on over to www.claxon.communicationnos.com.